Allison wants to know if we should be looking at our prediction of future cash flows when trying to analyze the price we're willing to pay for a business today. Hey there, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, small and medium-sized businesses. I have a great question here from Allison who left a comment on one of my other YouTube videos. And uh, she asks, um, I have a question for you. Let's say someone owns a poorly managed business and wants to sell it. I've seen plenty of those people before. The price that it trades is a reflection of how it is run today. Or the buyers usually pay for its potential when better managed by them, question mark. Theory says it should reflect the future, but what about practice? So I thought this was a great question because it, it's, it's, it's part of the journey that I went through when I got into the world of small and medium-sized businesses after having studied at business school where I was taught all kinds of stuff uh, to become what, as I call a fortune 500 bureaucrat. So um, when you're in business school, if you study in finance, or if you do any reading or studying about the world of investing in publicly traded stocks, what you will run into over and over and over again is the idea of discounting future cash flows according to a required rate of return. So if I know that you know, a, a business is going to yield certain profits in the future and I need a certain rate of return, then I can discount those future cash flows back to the present, add up what that money is worth today, uh, maybe with some exit or terminal value after five years, and I add that too, and I get a number. And this is now my estimate based on my needs of what the business is worth. And I look at the stock market and if the stock market price is lower than that might indicate it's a good investment, okay? So this whole idea of looking at the future and what you're gonna get and then figuring out what that's worth to you today makes a lot of sense when we're talking about Coca-Cola, okay? So let's think about Coca-Cola or any other big publicly traded company. If, if I bought shares in Coca-Cola, um, not only am I taking an ownership interest in their plants and equipment and the, the secret recipe and, and everything, but I'm giving an endorsement or I'm giving my money into the care and custody of all of the people that make up that organization, from the topmost leaders at the board of directors to the presidents and CEOs and regional managers, all the way down to the people who you know, deliver the product in a truck and they're really good at their job and avoid accidents every day. Like, all of those people have different degrees of competency that all function together in this well-oiled machine to create the product and get it delivered. And so when I buy into that business, I'm buying into all those folks. Now let's contrast that with the world of small business. Uh, and in particular, what I like to call main street businesses. So businesses with a cash flow under half a million dollars a year. In most main street businesses, the owner is involved in the day-to-day -day activity. In most of these businesses, the owner is the general manager of the business. Even if the business is big enough and there is someone called the general manager, all the board of director, strategic decisions, et cetera, are probably being still made by the owner, right? There, I don't know many people that own businesses of this size that are truly hands-off and just wait for an annual report every year. Doesn't happen. They're involved in the decisions, they're talking to the banker, they're signing for things, they're deciding if now is the right time to invest in the new equipment or whatever they're doing, right? 
And so when you buy one of these small businesses, all that leadership capability, all the experience, et cetera, is leaving and it's being replaced by the buyer, right? So, so if I'm going to look at a business and I'm thinking to myself, hmm, it's poorly run, it's not making a lot of money, I think I can do better. The next then question that most buyers will face before they sign any paper is, why exactly am I going to pay the seller for all the work that I'm going to do to create these future cash flows from the bones of this poorly run business that I'm acquiring? And you'll also realize before you do the deal that everything you think you can pull off is theory. It's not necessarily going to happen. We don't know what the future holds. And so many people will buy a business and they'll say, I can do this with it. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean that you're going to pay more for the business necessarily. What it means is that you now have a reason to do the acquisition. So if someone has a poorly run business and they're not making very much money, maybe the assets of the business are worth more than the cash flow. Who's going to buy it? Well, someone might buy it because they're motivated by what they think they can do with it, those future cash flows they believe they're going to get. But that's not going to form the basis of what you pay the seller. You're, in that example I'm giving with the low cash flow and the assets are worth more than the, than the cash flow, you might convince yourself it makes sense to buy the assets for what the stuff is worth. So the seller is still basically liquidating the assets of their business. But the reason that you're going to agree to do that is because you think you can do more with it. And so I thought it was a great question because this whole category of paying for potential beyond the market value of what the cash flow is today has a term. It's called blue sky. And if you're watching on your computer, and I've figured this out properly, magically above my head, there should be a link to a video that I created back in 2016 called blue sky. What is blue sky paying for blue sky? I forget what it's called, but I'll I'm going to make it float above my head, I promise. Um, and so what happens is sometimes business sellers will look for reasons why the future potential of business is much better than what they've been able to do. And they'll use this as a selling feature and try to justify a higher price because of it. And a classic example would be that it's sort of a retail business and maybe there's a new housing development being constructed and suddenly the population of the local area will grow by thousands of people in, in a very short period of time. Someone might say, you know, the future prospects of this pizzeria are better because all these new people are going to be moving into the neighborhood. It could be true, but the new development could also, you know, create an incentive for a new competitor to come into the market. So none of that positive outcome could ever come into play for the business, but they're still trying to get you to buy it at a higher price. It's called paying for blue sky. Anyway, um, I hope that answers your question. And uh, the other, the, the reason why I like the question is because so much of the stuff that you find out there on the internet or in college classes are about the world of big business. And when you get involved with small and medium-sized enterprise, a lot of those theories and ideas that apply to big businesses, they, they start to fall apart. And I see it quite often whenever I run into a situation where a business owner, for example, has gotten involved with a big accounting firm or somewhere where there's a certified business valuator. Um, those guys typically work with what I would call mid-market or bigger companies. 
And when they apply some of the methodologies that work very well in that space to these small main street businesses, typically what happens is they end up with a number that's far higher than what the business would ever reasonably sell for. And, and it can misset um, expectations on the part of sellers. And I've been hired by lawyers before actually to go through some of those reports and show why you know, a small main street business is not really worth what uh, you know, someone is saying and why, because they've, they've used methodologies that don't really work in the small space. And those are usually, um, you know, a result of like divorce cases or things like that when people are trying to determine what a business is worth in order to make some kind of separation. Anyway, um, if you, Allison, if you want to learn more about how you put a price on a small business, um, one of the things I can suggest to you is my online course, Business Buyer Advantage. It's available at businessbuyeradvantage.com. And uh, I'd love to have you as a student over there. And um, for the rest of you, thanks for the questions. We'll see you later and uh, have a great day. Bye-bye.